spin, though it's short and precise, uh, there's some things here that we need to look at and apply to our life when it comes to obeying the Great Commission. And so first off tonight, getting right into it, I want you to see, if you're taking notes, the command. The command. Verse number 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye. Just like Jesus declares the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 19, his instruction here was for these men to go. The word go speaks to journeying, traveling, departing. The word ye personalizes this instruction to go. In other words, Jesus commanded them personally, go. Now, as much as this passage was meant to be personal to the 11 uh, apostles and the disciples that followed Jesus, we need to understand that this command is uh, personal to us today as well. Uh, We can see this when we look at the context of what Jesus meant by this great commission. Turn over with me to Matthew 28, uh, this, this usual passage we look at the great commission. Matthew 28. We'll go back to Mark 16 there, but Matthew 28. We see here, as he gives the command, and, and a little more detailed instruction here, we see in verse 19 that he says they were to teach. The word here means to instruct or make disciples. And then it says they were to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But then Jesus continues and says in verse number 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This matter of teaching to others what Jesus commanded would have included the very command he gave here. The 11 were to make disciples, see them baptized, and then teach those believers to go and instruct or make disciples as well. In other words, this commission, this great commission, was a circular commission. They were to see someone say, they were to preach the gospel, and that uh, through preaching the gospel, that person would become a disciple. They were then to help that person come to an obedience, a first step of obedience, as we call it, to baptism. And then after baptism, they were to teach what Jesus had taught them. Part of that teaching would have then gone back to preaching the gospel, seeing people saved and discipled, and, and, and teach those people what Jesus taught as well. And that's what we have, of course, as we sit here today. We are part of that circular commission. For the last several centuries, people have been saved. Uh, They have been obedient to Christ in baptism. And and they have learned what Jesus taught to go and and help someone else uh, receive Christ as well. And it comes down through us, and we are now Jesus' disciples. And we are now called to this great commission. And so, in other words, when we see this passage that uh, ye are to go, go ye... We can put our name in that spot. Go ye. This was the command. You see, as much as Jesus commanded the eleven to go, he also commands us, those saved today, to go as well. Now notice secondly with me the location. Where were they to go? Where are we to go? Well, verse 15 says, go ye into all the world. World here is the word cosmos. In context, this would be the circumference of the earth. Notice here, Jesus' command had no geographical limits. The gospel wasn't just for Israel. It wasn't for the Eastern Hemisphere or just the Western Hemisphere. Uh, It was for the entire world. It was for Hawaii and the Bahamas as much as it was for China or, or, or Russia. The Bible gave no, or Jesus gave no geographical limit to his gospel. All speaks to the whole, all together, absolutely all. No matter where on this earth, no matter how big or small the location may have been, God commanded his followers to go into all the world. 
So oftentimes we get caught up with a nice place and we say, oh yeah, it'd be nice to go there, wouldn't it? And I, honestly, as I look at this text, I believe if Jesus was standing in front of us as we say that, he said, yeah, go. Why not? You want to go to Hawaii and be a missionary? You want to go to the Bahamas and be a missionary? If you're going to actually go there to be a missionary, go. If you're going to volunteer, go ahead and God will use you. That's what this commission was all about. Now notice thirdly with me the reason to go. He said again, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach here means to proclaim as a herald or to publish. When I think of that word herald, I oftentimes think of uh, that, that one that would be the spokesman for the king. And he would come up into the town or the village and he'd stand there as, as a messenger for the king, you know, and roll a, unroll a scroll or whatever and, and say, hear ye, hear ye, the word of the king, right? Now, that's not necessarily maybe the context that we have in the Bible. Uh, that's more medieval times. But the understanding is still applicable. You see, the word preach here in the Bible, when you look at its outline of use, is always with the suggestion of formality or gravity and authority, which must be listened to and obeyed. That's what this word preach comes down to. Now understand this, when we look at this word preach, preaching is not just the job of a pastor. We are all in this room called to preach. Now understand this, we are not all specifically called to come up in front of a congregation necessarily and give maybe a declaration with a nice formed outline like we commonly think of the word preach. Maybe we're not all called to do that. But we are all called to do what the word preach really comes down to in that matter of being a herald, a proclaimer of the king. We are to herald, and we have the king of kings, and he calls us to give uh, this message, the gospel. And when we do that, we're to give it in such a way that there ought to be an authority about it. There ought to be a, a gravity with it that this ought to be listened to and obeyed. When we preach, we shouldn't just say, well, I hope, you know, if you'd like this, you know, uh, maybe you do this. We need to preach. Hey, the gospel. Hey, you need to get saved. Amen. And that's what we are called to do. We're called to preach. And uh, we might, again, not all be called to, to come up here. But all of us can take the Bible we can study it, we can get to know it, and we can share it with somebody else. And we can share it with a passion to say, listen, this is something we ought to do. Now, Jesus didn't just say preach. He said specifically to preach the gospel. This word gospel is a word meaning good tidings. Now, I want you to notice what this gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul here gives us an explanation of this word gospel. And what it all means here. And I want you to see that if you haven't seen it before. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 1. It says here, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So he gives some introductory remarks here, and then he begins, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of about five hundred brethren, at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. The reason Jesus calls us to go into all the world is to proclaim his death, burial, and resurrection. To preach that he died and rose again for sin. You see, this is the gospel, good tidings, because without his death, burial, and resurrection, 
We would all be damned for eternity, the scripture tells us. Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. When you read the Bible and you come to the last book of the Bible, you'd understand there's a final judgment. And that final judgment for sinners is explained in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 12. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. We need to understand this tonight. There's a final judgment coming. And what the scripture says is this. God's going to take death, if we can make it a substance, for, for sake of illustration. And the Bible says he's going to cast that into the lake of fire. These words, lake of fire, are literal. There's no uh, debating, you know, some people like to debate the word Hades and what that all means, or grave or whatever. This is a literal lake of fire. And God says he's going to take death as a substance and he's going to cast it into this lake of fire. He then says he's going to take hell, whatever we want to define that as, I believe it's a literal lake, uh, it's a literal place of torment and fire, and he's going to take that and he's going to throw that into this lake of fire. Now, if you read a few verses before in the chapter to get some context, the Bible says that he's going to throw the devil in there as well. You look a little further, I believe, into the next chapter at the very end. It says he puts the false prophet and the beast in this place. And to top it all off, as Jesus ends the chapter on this final judgment, he says, all those not found written in the book of life are cast into this lake of fire. Church, may we not forget that every single person, because of their sin, deserves death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Understand today that just judgment for sinners is eternal death in this lake of fire. But God came to earth, became a man, while still being 100% God, a holy and perfect God. And died and rose again to take that judgment for us according to the Bible. And in our place, in, in, in place of what we would get, he gives us not only forgiveness of sin, but he gives us eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Yes, sir. This is the message God calls us to proclaim. Amen. This is the message God calls us to proclaim. And understand this, our job ends at proclaiming it. Did you realize that? So often we get caught up with how many souls got saved this week and so forth. My friend, I'm not trying to burst your bubble there, but God never told us, look for how many people you get saved. He didn't. Our, our, our focus should never be on the numbers. Our focus should be on, have I declared the gospel? God calls us to proclaim the gospel. He doesn't call us to make the disciples. He doesn't call us to give them eternal life. He doesn't call us to forgive them of our sin. We don't do any of that. We're simply are to be the messengers, the herald uh, saying, listen, the word of the king is Jesus has died and risen again and he calls us to repent and put our faith in him. And that's our job. And we wrap up the scroll and and leave and the people are to obey. Now, that ought to give comfort to us. Because so often we get caught up and we say, oh, that person's not going to hear the gospel. 
Or, you know, that person looks too, dim, uh, you know, too scary to give the gospel. My friend, that, that's, that's a wrong view of the gospel. When we look at a person and say, well, they're not going to receive it. Well, it's never about whether they receive it. Your job is to declare it. And just because you sit there and say, well, that person's not going to receive it, doesn't mean you have not disobeyed God's word. And so God calls us to preach the gospel. Now, one final piece of instruction he gives in this verse back in Mark 15, or 16, 15. It says there again, the people to be preached to. It says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Generally, the word creature here means anything created. Uh, but when we take scripture as a whole, we understand this word to be speaking to every human being. We're to preach the gospel to everyone. Every in the Bible, understand this, means each, any, all, the whole, everyone. Understand, church, that the gospel and God himself have no racial boundaries. The, the concept of racial prejudice, when you look at the Bible, is a consequence of sin. A consequence we see very prevalent in our world today. The gospel's for every skin tone, every ethnic group. It's for Caucasian as much as for Hawaiians, Africans, Hispanics, etc. When God told these men to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, there was not a person they were to exclude. And that has to bring us to a reality tonight. That means Islamic people. That means people who identify as ISIS. That means those who identify as homosexual or, or transgender. God says we are to preach the gospel to all. We are to share with all of these the hope and forgiveness they can find in Jesus Christ. And as I have preached this a couple times to different churches, I, I've realized this. God says we're to preach the gospel. That means the good news. We're to preach to these people the good news. Now, of course, we've got to tell them the bad news so they recognize they're a sinner. But God doesn't call us to get up there with pitchforks and, and, and knives and signs and say, you sick, sinful people, go to hell. God doesn't call us to do that. He calls us to preach the good news, to share with every single person, to sit there with a homosexual and tell them the good news that Jesus loves them and, and desires to save them. And that's what God calls us all to preach. Now that being said, if we're to be honest with ourselves, we would all have to admit today, then in one way or another, at one time or another, we have limited the gospel. We have limited this command by Christ. We say that God so loved the world, yet sadly, at times, we exclude some. And church, may we see the Great Commission as God sees it. We're to go into all the world. There should be no geographical limits in our mind. There should not be one place that we are not willing to send a missionary. And preach the gospel, salvation through Jesus alone, to every creature. There should be no person we exclude. And as I, through the support of God's people, seek to go back to Maui and reach the lost there, my vision, my scriptural vision is God's. It's to go where he is leading me and to preach the gospel there to every single person. It's my prayer today that you would join me in that cause. That you yourself uh, would live a life of preaching the gospel everywhere you go to every creature. Now, that's a little bit more of a reality to me as a missionary. So often a missionary gets caught up with, I need to get to the field, I need to get to the field. 
But this is the thing. God has not put me there yet. And so if I get so focused on the field, I have limited the gospel as well in my own life. Because God's not just calling me to reach Maui right now. He's brought me to Danbury. And so I'm to help reach Danbury. And when he leads me somewhere else, as I begin to travel, he's going to lead me to preach the gospel there. God might lead you away from here. He might put you somewhere else. You might feel led to be a missionary yourself. It doesn't matter whether you're led to be a missionary or or just a normal Christian. Wherever God puts you, he calls us to preach the gospel there to every single person. Now, if you personally have never accepted this gospel, man, that's the place to start tonight. And I would hope that you would do that. There's only two things we've got to do, the Bible says, in order to receive Jesus Christ, to receive this gospel. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, that's step one, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. Bringing that simply down is this. He says we need to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. That matter of Lord Jesus, as you understand it, simply comes down to this. Jesus is Lord, therefore Jesus is God. He wasn't just some nice guy come down to earth. He wasn't just some nice prophet. No, Jesus was God come in the flesh. And we need to confess that, God says. Now with that confession, there's a certain amount of repentance that comes with that. It's to confess Jesus is God. Now understand this. If you have never understood the context of Romans, that was written to a Jewish audience. A Jewish audience that would have to admit that Jesus, this man that walked on the earth around them, was the Messiah. That was a repentance. They had to repent of any other way of denying. Many Jews would deny that he was the Messiah. They had to repent of that belief and put their faith alone in Jesus. That's number one. And then the Bible says we're to believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead. If he raised him from the dead, the understanding would be that he died. And therefore we need to believe in our heart that he did this as the means of salvation. Uh, That word heart simply comes down to the real you when you look up the word. And the real you, if we could explain it in simple terms, as I like to explain it, you understand who the real you is. Because there's things about you There's thoughts you have that only you know. The closest person to you does not even know those thoughts because it's you. That's between you and and God, really, as he sees all the thoughts and intents of the heart. And that's the heart if we could get really down to it. It's you. You personally have to make this decision. You personally, with your own heart, have to come to the conclusion and confess, Jesus is God and I believe he has died and risen again for my sins. And God says, based on those two things, thou shalt be saved. Now, of course, we communicate to God and confess to God through prayer. Prayer is simply communicating to God. And don't think for a second that a prayer will just save you. No, we need to be obedient to God's word. And if we will confess him tonight, maybe you've already confessed him, but you haven't believed in your heart that he's risen and died for your sins. Maybe you need to take that step tonight. I believe regardless of when you take the two steps, if you've taken both steps, God says he'll save you tonight. And you can do that right where you are. It doesn't take being in a church. It doesn't take a certain prayer. You can do that right in your seat, even right now, as I'm continuing to wrap up this message. But church, church, as you are saved, as you're part of the body of Christ, we need to understand this tonight. Let's all have God's vision for the gospel. 
Let's not limit the gospel. Let's not have our presuppositions and our prejudices that so often time limit God's command. Man, it happens in my life. I don't, I don't for a second uh, seek to say I'm perfect in this. But God's called the Great Commission and he's defined it in this way. All the world, all people preach the gospel. Let's get to that and let's obey it as God would lead us tonight. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you.